anytime that you could come. We're glad you're all here to worship with us. Before we continue, I want to share a little experience I had in the last few weeks. I was in the waiting room uh, waiting for Gail to get her hair done, and I, over <laughs> I overheard a conversation that I want to share with you. There was an older gentleman, even older than me, that uh, was there to get a haircut. And I heard him talking to the hairdresser that was working with him. And he said, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to a church, but recently I visited a church and I was there only a few minutes 
Well, let me back up. He didn't know anybody at that church. He didn't know anything about that church. He just, out of cold visit, visited that church. And it wasn't here, although it could have been. But anyway, so uh, in the first few minutes after he'd walked through the door, five ladies had hugged him, two men had hugged him, and eventually the preacher had hugged him. And he said he had found a church that he wanted to go to, and he has not missed a meeting since then. And I thought that was a very interesting story. So the, what I took away from that is don't underestimate the power of a warm welcome. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and the reason they asked me to do this is because I found out from Amy this morning that uh, uh, Shad uh, had been uh, taken to the emergency room by Megan. He's having some heart issues, so so we're going to pray for for him just real fast and also for, for our worship service. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that you, being the holy God you are, being our creator, that you listen to us, that you hear our appeals to you. And Lord, we're here this morning to worship you and to commune you with you. And we're just so thankful that, that you'd sent Jesus to the earth, dear Lord, to, to allow us to have forgiveness, to, to establish your church and for him to be the Lord over it. And Lord, we're here today to, to celebrate you in this church and praise you and hear thy word. And Lord, just help all this come from our hearts and help us take it into our hearts and that we can understand the things you want us to understand. Lord, we want to pray for Shad Duffy at this time. We know he's at one of the local hospitals. And Lord, we, we know that he's having some heart issues that they're very concerned about or they wouldn't have taken him there. So Lord, we just pray that you'll be with him. We pray that your healing hand will be upon him. Lord, we pray that the doctors and the nurses, the staff that's overseeing him, the tests as he's over undergoing, we pray that he will be diagnosed accurately and he'll be able to be treated properly for what's going on. And Lord, we just pray that the next time, the appointed time that we're here, that we'll see Shad Duffy here amongst us. We love him very much. And again, we're thankful that you hear our prayer. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Faithful love flowing down from a thorn covered crown makes me whole, saves my soul, washes whiter than snow. Faithful love from each tear reaches down, cries each tear.
Let's just go to God in prayer this morning together. Our loving and caring Heavenly Father, we just want to come and thank you so much for us being able to come in your presence. That we're able to, to address you as our Holy Father. And we know that you're the creator of this wonderful world in which we live. And we recognize you as our God, our Savior, and our Redeemer. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with this another day, for this first day of the week that allows us to come together collectively as a body. We pray, Father, that you will help us to leave our worries and cares behind. And may we focus on you as we sing songs of praise, uplifting your name. May each voice honor you with song, and may each heart grow closer to you in prayer. And may we each soul be touched by your living word. Father, we ask that you would help us to be spiritually strong. That you would help us in our day-to-day -day life. That you give us the courage to overcome the things that hold us back. That help us, that prevent us from being able to move forward. Father, you're such a loving and caring God. We just thank, saying about being the faithful love that you have for us. We're so thankful, Father, for the gift of your Son, who willingly came to this earth, who died upon that cruel cross of Calvary, and was risen on the third day. Father, we're just so thankful, Father, for what you do for us each and every day, for meeting, for fulfilling our needs that we have every day providing for us both physically and spiritually and we ask Lord for your continual blessings upon us as we continue on. Father we're mindful of the many that are sick and needing our prayer this morning and we pray Father for several this morning. We pray Father for Michael Neal who is scheduled to have a biopsy just this, this week and we're praying for favorable results for him. We're also praying for our sister Lois Cox who's transitioning to another facility and we just pray Father that you will ease the angst that she has and be able to be able to be a comfort to her. We're also praying Father for Brenda Scott. We're also praying Father for Dennis Rockard who lost his vision and that's gotta be scary Father and we're just praying for him and what's ahead for him in surgery and praying, Father, that you will touch the surgeons and touch the, the doctors to decide what's best for him. But also, Father, we want to thank you for healing some folks this past week and, and thanking you, Father, for them and their, their recovery. And we pray, praying for continued recovery for Nora. It's great to see her out this morning and just continually praying for her and for recovery, along with Maria and uh, Pat Ortiz. And there's others, Father, that I can't recall right this minute. But you know their needs, you know their desires, you know, Father, that they want to be here, but they're just physically unable to be able to be out. Father, we're mindful of those who are shut in and can't get out. Several names come to mind, praying, Father, for them this morning, that you would be with them and touch them. Help us to be able to touch and be an encouragement for them as well, Father. Father, we also want to pray for this church. We pray, Father, for Matt as he brings a lesson this morning, and just praying, Father, that you bless this church here, that it becomes that loving church that's known throughout this community. 
Father, we're also mindful of the many men and women serving in this great military that we have in this nation, protecting this nation. We're asking, Father, for your continual safety and blessings upon them as well, along with blessing this great nation in which we live. Father, we pray for peace throughout the world. We pray, Father, for your touching hand be upon the leaders of the many nations that are out, that are, that are there, and praying, Father, that you find that they can find peace and harmony in being able to live with one another. Father, we ask now that you go with us through this remaining of the service. Be with us, guide us, and we ask this prayer in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. To help us prepare our thoughts, <clears throat> excuse me, prepare our thoughts for communion number 
Hey, good morning. This brings us to the part of our service for Lord's Supper. During this time, I want you to really think about how God gave his only son for us. Jesus Christ endured so much from the very people that he was out to save. As we go throughout this world, remember, let your light shine. We are so blessed. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, all for us. All of us have that opportunity. Let us bow. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being there for us. Giving your only son, we might have that chance to join you in heaven, Father. Father, we ask that you bless this bread, represents his body. We remember the struggles, the trials, everything Jesus went through for us in love. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior and King. Amen. Father, we pray that you bless this cup, representative of his blood shed there on the cross. Last bit of life out of his body. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Your grace. Knowing that we can come and ask forgiveness no matter how many times your arm is always outstretched to us in love and hope thank you father name of the son jesus christ amen As you know, for all those who are giving, there are boxes near the doors as you exit if you choose to uh, put anything in. As also remember, giving is not just about financial ability to give of your time, to give of your wisdom, to try to help those around you, help those you come across in life. It's also valuable, so precious. Let us bow. Father, we pray that you bless this offering and be used for the benefit of your holy kingdom. Father, we pray for all those souls out there who need love, who need their eyes open. Give us the strength to let our light shine as we walk through this world. Try to touch others in love. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's scripture reading is going to be from Matthew 16, verses 16 through 17. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, the, but my Father who is in heaven. At this time, children second grade and younger can go with their teachers to their classes. And before Matt's lesson this morning, let's stand and sing number 129. Coming through? There we go. There we go. It was me! Um, 
So we're going to start a new series, and I'm curious about this. I've been trying to give a little bit different um, format, a little bit of different pattern, just to try some new things. So I'm curious to see how you feel about it. It's a little bit different than my typical style, so we'll see what you think about it. Um, and feel free to tell me your, your likes, your dislikes. I'm a tough boy. I can handle it. But I want to deal with the fact that everybody has moments with God. And those moments are they're, they're life changing, they're, they're earth shattering, they're ground breaking, they're, they're opportunities to grow and literally change your life. Put your life on a different trajectory, put you going in a different direction. But the reality is you have to be paying attention or it's just another day. It's just another moment. And the significance of that moment can easily be missed. And the lesson that is supposed to be learned in those moments can easily be overlooked. So I was thinking, you know, last week we kind of picked on Peter, right? We picked on Peter. It wasn't us. It was really John. John was the one who called him slow, not me. And I thought, you know, we got to give Peter some of his dignity back. So I thought we'd focus first on Peter. We're going to jump all over the place because I want you to see that it's not just moments. It's not just moments with Jesus. It's not like Jesus showed up as a man and all of a sudden God became relevant to people. God has been working with people through all of time. Which is why it's a good way to start by saying that God is working in real time. God is working all the time. God is working even in our time. Do you believe that? God is working on you. God is working on me. God is working on us as a collective to become more like the body of Christ. God is working on people around that we have not even begun to know, have a relationship with, preparing them for the moment we meet. Because God is at work. But we have to be willing. You know, a, a few weeks ago, it's, it's probably a couple months ago now, we were going through a sermon and Jesus was talking about how we need to have eyes to see and we need to have ears to hear and that most of the world, they don't have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. That's kind of where this whole idea came from. How do you have eyes to see? How do you have ears to hear? And thinking about just moments with God before we move into the actual lesson, like when's the last time you had a moment with God? When's the last time God was clearly speaking to you, if you will? God was clearly trying to relay a message to you. Life's experience was adding up in a way you could not deny that God, through everything, was communicating directly with you. When's the last time you had a moment with God? And if you say, I never have, I'm going to tell you something. Open your eyes. Look for it. God is not distant. He's right here. He's here today. He's in this place right now. He never leaves you. His spirit dwells in you everywhere you go. God is here. And he's working today. And every single day. When is your moment? Think about the moments you've had as we go through Peter. 
and his life. And I did skip a couple parts, so you're just going to have to remember them from last week. Because we're not going to get too heavy on the tomb again, since he was a big part of last week's lesson. But I thought, I really want you to think about this from a visual perspective. Just like your memories are. When you think about your memories in life, when you think about your moments with God, you don't think about words on a page. Sure, there's words on a page being the Bible, right? There's God's word that backs up these moments. We're not just coming up with our own thoughts. God is expressing his word through life and teaching us through life. But I didn't want you to think of words on a page. You can do that yourself. I wanted you to think of it from a place of visual pictures in your mind. And I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of just replacing all the scriptures with pictures. I was telling Steve today, you know, I don't want us to look like, I don't want it to be like we're going back from having the novel, if you will, to a picture book. Like, hey, kindergartners, here we are today. But when you have this experience, when you look at this lesson today, I want you to see it in your mind. I want you to go to that place yourself. Picture yourself as Peter and relate it to your own life. So we know a little bit about the life of Peter. Let's go through it. This is where it begins. And, you know, as you look through, the reason why I don't like to do pictures very often, to be honest with you, is because none of the pictures are good enough for me. If you really want to know the truth. Normally when I, when I read the scriptures and I look at the pictures that describe the scriptures, I think, oh, you missed this and you messed that up. And you, I don't know if you're like me, but that's what I see. But this one's a good one. Because Peter's been fishing all night and he's caught nothing. And, and don't forget, he's the professional. He's caught nothing. And here comes Jesus and he's walking down the shore and he says, hey, why don't you... Um, Cast your net on the other side. And, and Peter says, you know what? We've been fishing all night. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm kind of a big deal around here. He didn't say that, but I did. That's the attitude I would have. You got to put yourself in the place. But since you say so, I'm going to do it. And you know what I think he was probably thinking in this moment, to be honest, because he doesn't know it's Jesus yet. You know what I think he was thinking in this moment? I'm going to show him. Right? It's like you're fishing on one side of the pier and the guy's like, hey, you know, there's fish on the other side too. And you're like, oh, yeah, cool guy. Nothing's happening. I think that was that moment that Peter's having. He's like, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll do it. And he throws and they drag the net and then all of a sudden they go to pull it in and they can't, they can't pull it in. As they're pulling it in, the net's breaking. And you know, this, this picture a lot of times is like a guy that threw a cast net. If you think professional fishermen whose livelihood depends on how many fish they catch, I don't know if you've ever tried to sell something wholesale, but you've got to catch a lot to make a little. So they're not out there throwing cast nets all night. You ever do that once in your life? You ever go try to catch a thousand fish with a cast net? You're tired by a hundred. To go do that every day. You know, one of the things I learned a long time ago is whatever you love, whatever you love, 
If you make it your living, it still becomes a job. They say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Okay, there's some fairness to that. But if you take what you love and you turn it into a living, it still becomes a job too. When you're a commercial fisherman, you don't catch a fish and you think, oh man, this is the coolest fish I've ever caught. You think, $100 bill, $100 bill. Don't lose the $100 bill. And all of a sudden, it's the opposite of like the Geico commercial. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Anyway. Um, and this is that moment. They're dragging the nets, and, and, and the nets are full. This is an enormous catch. Don't miss this. It's not a cast net full of fish. Like, oh, cool, I've done that before. This is an enormous catch. This is all of a sudden, the fish were not here, and God brought all the fish in the area to this spot and swam them right into the net. And their nets are breaking as they're pulling them in. That's why I love this picture. You see, because they're, they're all starting in the boat. If you've ever, when I was young, younger, when I was younger, that was on accident. Me and my friends, we caught this huge grouper. And when we were trying to get it in the boat, okay, we were in a 23 foot center console. This grouper was five foot eight inches long. Its mouth was so big it could have swallowed me and I could have been named Jonah. And we were trying it. We did not have a, 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 a tuna door or anything like that, if you know what I'm talking about, like the doors that you open and slide the fish in. We didn't have that. And me and my friends, we had never caught a fish this big before. We'd never even seen a fish at the side of the boat this big before. We've seen shark that big. Woo! But this was a grouper. And we wanted to get it in the boat, so we're all reaching down. There's four of us. We're all reaching down, and we're trying to pull this thing in the boat. And as we're trying to pull this thing in the boat, you know what's happening? The boat's like trying to roll. A 23-foot boat. It's trying to tip on us. And we get scared, and we're like, ah, we can't do it. So we started jumping in the water just to get a picture with it. And I jumped in the water, and the grouper slapped his tail, and I got scared, and they took the picture. <laughs> Biggest fish of my life, and I'm sitting beside it in the water going like this. That's what these guys did too. The nets started to break. You know what they did? They got out and they started shoveling it over their shoulders, shoveling it over their shoulders to get all these fish in the boat. And they're having this moment. I want you to see it. I love it. You see that? That's not their wake. Don't miss this either. That's not their wake. This is how it would really happen. See it. That's the fish churning behind them that they haven't got out of the water yet that are still stuck in the net. That's what it looked like. It went from a land of the dead and nobody could catch anything, I don't care if you're the best fisher from Galilee or not, to a place where you couldn't miss a fish. You didn't miss a fish. You got them all in one shot. I won't take this long on all of them, but I get excited about fishing. You go to the next moment. And this is a moment we've probably, if we've been to church for any given time, you've probably heard a sermon on this moment. Because it's a huge moment. It's an amazing moment. Peter does something that defies science. That defies physics. He walks on water. He walks on water. 
I mean, Jesus does it, sure, he's the son of God. He does a lot of miracles, cool. But Peter did it too. Peter has this experience where one day he's in the boat and he steps out and the water becomes something he can walk on. I don't know what that felt like. I don't know if it was like jelly, like woo hoo hoo or if all of a sudden it became very stable. And he walked on it as if it was dry land. But he's having this experience. And at some point in time, reality kicks in and he's thinking to himself, I can't do this. And he begins to doubt. And when he starts to doubt, what happens? He sinks. You know, this is a funny part too. What do you think about when you hear that, when, you, when you're imagining this in your mind? What's your visual look like? Is he like all of a sudden start to doubt and he's like on an escalator all of a sudden or an elevator? Bink. Is that how he did it to you? So he's like slowly sinking and Jesus is like, come on. Come on. All right, I guess I'll come help you. Or does he sink? Like, sink. Like all of a sudden water becomes water again. Sink. Not jelly that you're slowly sinking in. Sink. See, the more and more I've thought about this, that's what I really think happened. I think he just went, Hoop. And now he's under the water and he's, and he's probably in shock. He's probably trying to figure out what just happened to me and Jesus is already reaching down to get him. It's a quick moment. This picture, see, this is one of those ones that drives me nuts. You know why? Because he's dry from the top half up. This is the jelly picture. This is where he started to think about it, and he hit the elevator button and started to slowly go down, and Jesus walks over and is like, no, I'm not going to let you get all the way under. Then you have this moment. That moment that sets Peter apart to a lot of us in our minds, right? He's, he's there, the disciples are there and, and everybody's discussing, who is Jesus? Who really is he? And Jesus says to them, you know, who do, who do they say, who do, who, who do the people think I am? And they say some really interesting names. Have you ever really thought about this before? They say some interesting names. They say, they say John the Baptist. What? John the Baptist just died. So what do they mean by that? Are they saying like John the Baptist faked his death and now he's Jesus? Some people might have thought that. It's not like they had the world of TV and Jesus is walking around doing miracles one day and the next day John the Baptist is out there and preaching in the wilderness and eating locusts and honey and, and, and they look at him and they're like, oh, they're kind of similar. No, they just have similar characteristics and people have put them together. But don't forget John the Baptist is dead. Elijah's another interesting one. Elijah's no slouch. Elijah's one of the people that they consider to be one of the greatest prophets of all time, the Jews. So he's starting to get in better company. They say Jeremiah. What? Well, Jeremiah's during the time of oppression, so I guess that kind of makes sense, right? They're being oppressed by the Romans. Jeremiah is also known as the weeping prophet. Are they saying Jesus cried all the time? Kind of soft, maybe a little emotional. But at the end of the day, they think you're a prophet. You see that? 
or one of the prophets. At the end of the day, they think you're a prophet. All those guys are prophets. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, all prophets. Then he says one of the most important statements, and you cannot preach this part without giving the challenge to everybody in the congregation. Who do you say that I am? I don't, I, you know, I get where everybody else is, but you guys, you guys know me. Who do you say that I am? And you would think they'd all be jumping for the chance to say, but that's not the way it really reads. It reads like he says, who do you say I am? And there's either crickets and then Peter speaks up or Peter just naturally is the first one to speak and everybody's looking to Peter to be that guy. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're what we've been waiting for. You're way more than a prophet. You're what all the prophets talked about. You're the fulfillment of the prophets and the prophecies. And then he says, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, man of the flesh. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you didn't get this on your own. You did not come to this on your own. God gave it to you. My father gave it to you. You know what he's also telling Simon in this moment? He's saying, Simon, you've been called. You've been singled out. This is your moment and God gave you this moment. God is revealing something to me about you, Simon. Remember that part, don't we? Remember this part too? He says, I tell you, you are Peter. He changes his name. I tell you, you are Peter. You're no longer Simon. You are Peter. Or as many others will call him later, Simon, Peter. Both names combined, but never Simon. Never just Simon Barjona ever again. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's the part we remember too, right? A big moment for Peter. Peter is being told, you're going to help start the church. You're going to help start the church. Now, I want to point this out real quick because I think this is important. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but I do want to point it out. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he says. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And people have used this to say that Peter's the one who basically gets to make the doctrine for the church going forward. Some people have even said Peter's the first pope. I got news for all of you. This is the wrong guy to hang your hat on, and we're gonna see this multiple times, for the guy who never makes a mistake. For the guy who never says something wrong. For the guy who never decrees something that is wrong. Don't forget, well after Jesus dies, it is Paul that calls him out in Antioch for being wrong. And Peter doesn't go, no Paul, you're wrong. And by the way, God gave me authority, and whatever I decide goes. He says, I'm wrong. Peter knows he's wrong, especially by the time we get to Jerusalem Council. Peter knows he's wrong. But this is the part we probably overlook because we get to that point and we stop. Oh, it's such a good part of Peter's life. And we stop. And then it says this going on in Matthew. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And people go, why would he do that? Because the second that he starts admitting he's the Christ, They killed him. 
They use it against them and they kill them. From that time on, though, from that time, what time? From the time that Jesus makes the great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So how many moments does he have with, in, in, from this time? Probably a bunch. We get a few in scripture, but there's probably multiple times where Jesus is telling them exactly what's going to happen to them. And you know what? One of those times, Peter gets tired of it and he don't like it. And Matthew says it's Peter that pulls Jesus aside and he says to Jesus, I'm just going to let you know, Jesus, you can stop talking about this right now because as long as I'm around, this will never happen. Like, you're going to have to kill me first. And Jesus says something that has to shake him to the core. He tells him, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You know, I used to think for a long time that when he says this to Peter, he's talking to Peter. But I, start, I started wondering, and I, I'm not saying I'm right about this, but I did start wondering, is, is he talking to Peter or is he talking to Satan for real? Is Satan maybe using Peter right now to throw another temptation Jesus' way? Is this not exactly what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? If there's any other way, take this cup from me. Peter's saying, you ain't got to worry about that as long as I'm around. They're going to have to kill me first. But either way, he says to him, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're missing the whole point. You're still thinking about Jerusalem. You're still thinking about Israel. You're still thinking about this physical kingdom. And my kingdom, as he tells Pilate, is not of this world. You're missing the whole point, Peter. Then we get to the Lord's Supper. Spend a little bit of time on that. A couple weeks ago. And they show up to go into the upper room. And Jesus is out washing the disciples' feet. And Peter's having nothing to do with it. He says, no way. You're not, you're not going to wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless you let me wash my feet, you're not part of me. And Peter says, well, in that case, wash every part of me. Not just my feet. Why stop at my feet? Yet again, an amazing moment. I want you to see the back and the force, the back and the force that are happening with Peter all over the place. One minute, you're the guy that just made the great confession. The next minute, get behind me, Satan. One minute, Lord, and, and wouldn't this be your response too? Lord, you are way too, way too great to be washing. Why, why don't you let me just wash your feet? Can't you relate to that? And then when Jesus says, you have no part of me, well, then just get, then wash every part of me. I want all, I'm all in. See, that part never changes about Peter. He's all in. He's just all over the place at the same time. And 
And then he gets to witness the whole, the, the whole Last Supper and the dipping of the cup with Jesus and, and Judas. And guess what? Jesus starts to let everybody know. Remember that thing we started talking about after you made that great confession about me? Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. And then he takes Peter aside and he says, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Notice he uses Simon there. It's appealing to that man, that flesh, that person who's thinking in physical terms. In terms of man. Satan has demanded that to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then he says this, look, don't miss this point either. He says, and when you have turned again, he knows he's going to fail. After this, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Yet again, remember that rebuke? Yet again, Lord, they can take us to jail. They can kill us. They're not getting the way. They're not getting you. They're not getting you. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And they get to the garden. And Jesus goes off to pray. And he tells the disciples what? Tonight is the night. Be alert. Be watchful. Be in prayer for me. And what do they do? They go to sleep. This is the night, Peter. I thought you were ready to fight. I thought you were ready to go to prison. And while Jesus is praying, they are sleeping. And the guards and Judas... The betrayer are sneaking up and no one's there to defend Jesus. Wake up, wake up. They're here. Oh, Peter woke up. And Peter backed his word up, didn't he? Peter doesn't walk up and go, hey guys, what's going on here? Peter walks up and is like, I'm going to kill you all. Probably wasn't the greatest swordsman since all he ever got was an ear. And then again, Jesus takes the ear and he puts it back on the servant. And he says to Peter, those who live by the sword, die by the sword. You know what he's saying? You're still thinking like a man. And if you think like a man, it's going to get you killed. And he follows them to his judgment and he's watching the way they're using and abusing and manipulating and twisting all of Jesus' words. And all of a sudden the crowd starts to recognize him. Aren't you? Yeah. You know, I saw you when he healed that blind man. I saw you. Can you imagine being Peter in this moment? I saw, when we were here and, and these things were happening, you were with Jesus. I saw you. Like, whoa, aren't you? Nah. 
not who you think I am. I never knew that man. Three times. Three times that fear and that doubt that started to creep in again. Three times he says, I never knew him. I never knew him. I never knew him. And on that third time, the rooster crows. And Peter knows. Now I skipped the tomb. I skipped the moment with the nail pierced hands because we just went over that. Don't forget that part. Jesus goes to the tomb. He has that. I mean, Peter goes to the tomb. He has that experience. Peter sees Jesus in Jerusalem, but Jesus has been telling him, y'all got to go back to Galilee. And I'm going to meet you there. And when they go back to Galilee, Peter starts doing what he's always done when he's in Galilee. He starts fishing. And guess what? He's having one of those nights again where nothing's happening. And all of a sudden he hears a voice from the shore. Say, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side? You notice the difference? The first difference is he doesn't say, well, we've been fishing all night, but if you say so. He just does it. He's waiting on Jesus. He just does it. And as they start to haul it in, and he feels the weight of the fish. He knows. He knows who it is that's yelling on the shore. And you know what he does? Another difference. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait to get all the fish in. He doesn't even help the other guys with the fish. He, he, he gets into his bathing suit, if you will, and he jumps in the water and he swims to Jesus. That's what he does. He can't wait to see Jesus. And of course we know they have breakfast after the other guys get all the fish in. They're like, thanks, Peter. They have breakfast. And in that, they have the conversation where he says, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And this is where the, 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 all the scripture really starts to come together, where, where you start to really realize the way God is working and how God works, not just in Peter's life, but in your life too. Because just like, just like back here, just like in this moment, I know what he remembered. Do you know what he remembered? Why else would he jump in the water? If he didn't remember that first moment, that first catch, and know it was Jesus, if he wasn't thinking about that in this moment, why does he jump in the water? How does he know it's Jesus? Because he remembers. He remembers that moment with God. What about this one? John says, when he heard the third time, it grieved him. Why did it grieve him? Because he remembered. What do you remember? Probably the rooster crow. Now he remembered. Probably the third time he denied Christ. But I wonder if he remembered. I wonder if he remembered that time where he was walking on the water and Jesus pulls him out of the water because of his doubt and his fear. And I wonder if he remembered that that day too on that beach in that breakfast. 
Like, man, I can just absolutely sink. And God will come and pull me right out. I wonder if he remembered the miraculous catch. And when Jesus told them, you know what? You guys are fishermen, but today I'm going to make you fishers of men. I wonder if he remembered the promise that he would be one of the guys that built the church on the day of Pentecost. When 3,000 in one day were added to the kingdom. I wonder if he saw the net full of fish then. And yet again, I wonder if he remembered when Paul is calling him out on Antioch for things that he knows he's not doing right. I wonder if he remembered the humility that Jesus showed when he was washing his feet and that lesson that a servant is never greater than his master. Could have been different. See, the end of the day, we all have moments with God. But we got to look for them. We got to search them out. We've got to seek them in our lives. And then when we see them, we have to remember them. And then when we remember, as, as we remember them, we need to learn from them. And as we learn from them, we need to grow from them. Because at the end of the day, that's how God works. It's how he works for every single one of us. It's how he worked in the Old Testament. It's how he worked in the New Testament. And it's how he works right now in the present. He works through your life and in your life, in the good, in the bad, and everything in between. God is at work in you, on you, and around you. Because we're going to finish just the way we started. Because God's working in real time. God's working all the time. And God is working even in our time. I wanted to do this. Because in this series, one of the things I want you to do is... I want. I mean, that's, this is kind of the point of the whole series. If there's a thesis statement to my series, this is it. Put those three things together, this is it. But everybody's moment's a little different too. Your moment's different than mine. God's trying to tell you something a little different than he's trying to tell me. You know why? Because we were all created different, individual, unique for a specific purpose that God has planned before us. Together, we can accomplish it, but individually, we bring different things to the table. So our moments are a little different. What was Peter's? How's it relate to you today? You know, when did the sifting of Satan begin? See, I think it started the second Jesus told him. I think the first part of the sift was when Peter fell asleep. He was waiting for this moment. He was ready to die for Jesus. He fell asleep. Jesus is saying, pray for me. This is the moment. Pray for me. He fell asleep. I think the sifting of Jesus, I mean, of Peter, is also when he cuts the ear off of the servant. He's already told you. He's got to suffer and die. Why are you trying to stop it? You're still trying to fight it. Get behind me, Satan. And of course the sifting came with the, with the third denial. So this is what I want you to see. You could have fallen asleep on God. 
never caring enough to think about or consider him. You could have missed the point thinking in terms of man, chasing the ways of the world. You could have even went as far as denying him. You could have denied him in your life. And truth be told, the scriptures say every one of us already did. With the way we lived before we found Jesus, the way we lived before we were Christians, we already denied Christ with our actions. God doesn't give up on us. He's just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son waiting for us to come back. You can leave him and you can never return. But God will still be waiting on the porch to run and meet you where you are. So wake up. Wake up. Believe in Jesus and live for him. And look for those moments with God and grow from those moments with God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, had your sins forgiven and remembered no more? For those of us who have, are we growing from our moments with God? Are we continuing to grow for the kingdom? Or are we still in the same place we were 20 years ago? I was at um, church camp one year and, and you know, we always do something for the kids to kind of have a time of reflection from where was I last year versus this year. And, and I, was, I was in a struggle that I was really um, focused on. I wanted to get rid of it in my life. And so every time we got to this reflection for like three years in a row, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. For like three years in a row, every time we got to this reflection point, I wrote down the same struggle. And for me, I have a couple guys that are in that, that director's cabin with me that are like my closest friends that I tell even my deepest, darkest secrets to. Because you need that in your life. And so we would always share what we wrote. And one of my friends, he looked at, he looked at, this year it was a rock. The year before that, it was a chair that everybody rode on. We're not going to get into all that. But um, he looked at my rock and he said, you know, Matt, I'm going to start praying for you. And I said, why are you going to pray for me? He said, because I want next year when we come, I want you to have something different on this rock. Are you growing? It's so easy to get stagnant. It's so easy to get distracted by this world. It's so easy to focus on everything else and, and put this on the back burner. God wants your first, not your last. If you give him your first, you'll grow. Are you growing? Where are we at? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come today as we stand and sing. I heard an old, old story, how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary, to save a wretch like me.
So just really quickly, Nora comes forward today and one, she wants to thank everybody for all the prayers and, and everything that um, as she's went through her experience with her vocal cords and there's no cancer, which is a great thing. We're excited about that. We were nervous about that. Um, also, she wanted to say, and I'm speaking for her because she can barely speak right now. She wanted to say that there was a time in her life where she wasn't growing, she was struggling, and it was because she wasn't looking to God. And now she looks to God, and she's growing, and things are going well, but she wants prayers to continue on that path. To not go back to who she was, but to continue on this path of who she is. So we're going to pray real quick. I'm just going to do it really quick. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, God, we're grateful, God, we're so grateful for your love. It's so humbling, it's so encouraging, it's so edifying, Lord, the, the love that you surround us with despite who we are in our struggles, and it's so encouraging to know that we can come to you at any point in our life. We could have been asleep and, and just neglected you our whole lives and wake up at the end and you still accept us and rejoice with us. God, I just pray for Nora, um, Lord. I've just seen you working in her and moving in her in a mighty way. And Father, I just pray for her to be encouraged, for her to continue to reach to you, to continue to grow in you. Father, to continue to seek you out in her life and know that you're, you're with her every step of the way. God, the world can, can lead us to a place where we feel like we're being satisfied but really leaves us with nothing. And when you leave that behind and you begin to pursue you, God, that satisfaction never leaves. 
So I pray that Nora remembers that and that she continues to pursue her, pursue, pursue you with everything in her being. God, we love you. We're grateful for your grace and mercy, even though we know we don't deserve it. We pray that we always live in a, in a way that's worthy of the calling that you've given to all of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, Mike O'Neill is going to have a biopsy tomorrow. He's asked for all of us to pray for him. It's, it's finally coming. And also continue to pray for Carol so that she can, she can continue to recover from her, from her ablation this past week. Uh, as we know, Shad Duffy went to the hospital this morning with uh, heart, uh, it, it said with chest pains was the official word that I heard. And continue, continue to pray for him and we'll update you as soon as, as, soon as we know more. The, there's gonna be a senior game day this Thursday. Uh, please sign up on the list in the foyer. Doug did not send me a list of the games that, that are going to be played, so just uh, come and find out what it is. Uh, immediately after services, Sandy Tagtoe will be taking pictures to update our, our picture board in the foyer. We have three ways to determine if you need a new picture. If, if the one out there looks like it's all faded and has mold on it, you, you probably need a new one. If, if the clothes that you have on, if you don't have them anymore, you, you, probably, need, you probably need a new one. And, and the last thing is if there's a lot more hair in that picture than what you remember Coleman this morning, then, then you, probably, you, you probably need another one. So see Sandy in the foyer. Thank you very much. until he got to the hair and it got a little personal. <clears throat> Would you stand for our closing hymn and the prayer that will follow? Jesus said, and he judged the people, they stood. 
it's easy for us to sit there and um, but I just encourage the brothers to keep standing before the people God's people let's pray Father it's good to wake up in Christ it's good to go to sleep in Christ it's good to know that nothing depends upon us but everything depends upon him and you called us to trust him with that and that's a good thing father thank you for bringing us to yourself at a cost to yourself through the crushing and beating of your own son on the cross show the world you love sinners we're grateful that you care even though we don't understand it all we can conclude is what you revealed to us is that you are god you're good and you love us we thank you for the brothers and sisters you've given us to walk through this generation with faith. It's in your son, Jesus Christ, we give you the glory and praise. Amen.